0: Hello, hello, my name is Richard Xavier, and you are listening to the Fresh Bacon Podcast. I am sitting here today at the Great Depressurization 2017 with Mr. Left Right himself. Is that actually the right way to say it? Should I say the slash in the middle? No, left. Don't slash, say right?
1: Slash. No, yeah, left left <laughs> right. You got it. So
0: nice to finally meet you, actually. Yeah. Um, so you just got back from Burning Man. How was your
1: burn it was good man it was very good um yeah i needed it i just kind of finished a a decent tour this summer and uh it's all pretty new to me and uh yeah just been grinding pretty pretty heavy the last uh last few months so yeah i've got some really good friends out there uh, that i get to reconnect with and we just burned it down it was awesome
0: what day did you get out?
1: Uh, so I went out Monday. It was the first time I'd, uh, I'd, so I flew into Reno, which I've done before. And I turned, took the burner express, which I'd done before. But, uh, this time I took like, uh, an Uber over to the store, bought a bin, filled it up and then went back to the airport and went through the burner express. And it worked out.
0: Yeah. How many people were on the Burner Express?
1: Express, I've always wondered. Uh, so this year, I think, was like pretty record-setting. I know they had at least 4,000, and it might have been like 7,000. Oh, wow. Like a lot.
0: Yeah. That is really cool, actually.
1: Yeah. I, the reason I know that is because they announced it. Um, they were saying you know, cutting down on um, you know, commute and pollution and all that. Um, how long did it take to get from Reno to... It was fast. Really? Like surprisingly fast. Like normally, so I've driven it myself from Reno in the past as well. And it's always taken at minimum like three, three and a half hours. And I feel like we got there in two and a half. But then, of course, you still have to wait and go through some things. But the Burner Express itself doesn't have to wait uh, in line. You skip the line.
0: Oh wow. That's worth it. Uh, very, just that
1: alone. (laughs) It's extremely worth it.
0: I was saying, I really want to fly in one of these years. I think that view would be so cool. Every time I see someone with, uh, the parag, what is it? Paragliders or the skydivers like parachutes. That's gotta be an amazing view to see.
1: I can imagine. Yeah. I had a friend who went up in the airplane this year, just, uh, like a ride around.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, So yeah, What
1: I heard, I could be wrong about this. So someone might correct me later. But I heard that the airport is just a camp. It's just a bunch of pilots made a camp, and if you've got friends there or make a connection,
0: that is incredible.
1: <laughs> I could be wrong. You might know more about it. Than I maybe.
0: actually, I actually don't. Um, I just, I used to have a friend who did flights into Burning Man for people out of San Francisco mm-hmm. and Reno. And unfortunately, he uh, ended up passing away before I ever had a chance to take the ride with him. So it's kind of like now seriously on my bucket list to get done out there. But I was uh, camped across from a bunch of uh, plug and play camps. And so we had people that were like getting dropped off from the airport all week. And it was really interesting to To kind of see that other side of... Burning Man, the behind closed door side, watch the, watch the traffic. You were saying you got into Burning Man on Monday. Yes. What was your very first adventure?
1: Oh man. <laughs> it very quickly becomes a blur. Um,
0: usually that's the only one that people can answer is like, what was the first the thing first? you did and what oh, was the see, last thing you did? Yeah,
1: I can, I can answer the later ones easier than the, f- the first ones. Well, um, yeah, a lot of my, so my camp is, um, uh, they're, like, uh, pretty awesome people. Um, they're, this year was a hodgepodge of a bunch of different people. Uh, camp was called the Dusty Lady. And um, a good portion of them are from San Francisco, but we had people from Detroit. Um, we had some good friends from Chicago that were visiting us uh, and people from San Diego. So, yeah, it was one of those crews where it's just a lot of – some of them I hadn't, I'd never met before, but you know, when you're in the right camp and everybody like cares about what you're doing, like things tend to turn out pretty well.
0: Flow, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I think I, you had some gigs out there, didn't you?
1: I did. I had a few and I may not remember which day, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely did like uh, a morning, a morning set at Nuts Camp, which, uh, NUTZ, I think they're based out of LA. Uh, they were on the 10 o'clock side that was really fun because that was my main like sunrise type set and got to go kind of real deep and lush which is something I like to do occasionally and uh, I popped in had some friends doing a bunch of stuff at Slut Garden and Slut I kinda, Garden
0: was incredible
1: yeah it was uh, they were it was popping <laughs> they
0: were going to town did you happen to go to the Slut Olympics no. Uh, did you hear about the Slut Olympics? I did not. Well, this is where the rated R part of the show comes into play. So one of my other friends um, by the name of Mr. Smeegs actually was playing the Slut Olympics after party. So we all went to the actual event, and it was one of the most Burning Man things I think I've ever seen in my life. There was, I believe, like a who can fit the biggest toy inside of them competition <laughs> Um, there was a deep throat competition where it, they all got gigantic dildos and saw who could uh, deep throat the biggest one, the fastest. Um, I believe the another game was the human pliopede in which they were taking gigantic dildos, sticking them between their legs, and the person behind them had to keep their mouth on <laughs> that and created a chain, and they had to crawl across the stadium to the other side, and whoever, if you, if you let, got it out of your mouth, Then you were disqualified. And then the grand finale is uh, the speed boner competition. And there was probably like 12 to 15 dudes in the middle of this arena. Uh, And there was certain rules like no mouth to genital contact. You can't come to speed boner with a boner. uh, No penetration. A couple other things. And it was just whoever could get a boner first essentially. And they had a bunch of girls standing around just like giving them lap dances, making out with them, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was definitely a sight to behold. Every time somebody started to get it up, the announcer dude was kind of like a WWE wrestler type guy. Is like, what is that? Is that that's not a boner? That's is it going up? Nope, it's going down. Like, just talking mad shit to all these guys, and everyone in the audience was just blown away. So, I definitely saw the biggest penis I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the dude who won knocked the uh, the three time champion out of the race and they try to disqualify him at the beginning. Cause it was so big. They thought it was hard to get started,
1: but, um, yeah. So slut garden, was quite an adventure. That's for sure. They were pretty crazy. Well, they definitely had, um, some solid music all week too. And, um, my friend, uh, dot, dot Diggler from Seattle, he was doing kind of a, a breaks and bass kind of night out there. And, uh, he said, drop by. And then I tagged with him a little bit. Um, I think it was, Wednesday night,
0: that's that awesome. Fun. Yeah, Burning Man's always hard to DJ. Uh, just the equipment scenario and things. Yeah, just the dirt is just not nice to electronic anything. It
1: is not. I've had some pretty, uh, pretty interesting adventures <laughs> <laughs> out there before. Well, so before the USBs were real common in the CDJs, it you know a lot of us were still using the CDs, and CDs with dust. Are, that sounds you know, like an uh, obvious no-no. And, of course, it's got the moving parts inside to spin the CD. And so, yeah, I know some of the bigger camps, they'd they'd just bring 10 of them, and they'd have to trade them out every couple of days. The, and, wow. And even then, uh, I think I played uh, a bigger camp a few years, like 2012 or something, at Root Society, and the poor guys had already gone through, like, six or eight of them. And Jesus. we couldn't even get the CD to eject. Like you had to like reach in and pull it out. And then to press play, you'd have to hold the cue button and then just keep slamming the play button until it would actually start, <laughs> which was an adventure, you know.
0: <laughs> wow. So how many times have you been to Burning Man?
1: Uh, this was my sixth year. I started in 2011 and I, had, I took one year off when I was out of the country.
0: Wow yeah so you're still planning on keep going
1: oh yeah yeah it's uh most of the time it's a a refresher it's kind of i finally get to get off the grid and just turn off the phone yeah big time i needed it yeah and this year i didn't take as many sets either because uh yeah sometimes it can be pretty crazy like trying to chase around our cars yeah
0: (laughs) where you're supposed to be at what time yeah
1: yeah and then of course then sometimes it flips around and you get that crazy payoff where you didn't think you'd ever find the car and then you find it and then it's a bunch of cool people and you get to meet that that was the the last gig I did was with a space yacht uh, out of LA there are a crew out there I got to play with them earlier this year but they invited me uh, space yacht took over an actual yacht Oh wow! <laughs> so do you know the christina yeah actually ride? i got yeah. to
0: play on the christina on burn night and yeah. it was probably one of the most fun things i've yeah. ever done in my entire life
1: that was for me on friday it was it was a lot of fun man. i
0: think i'm still deaf my ears are still ringing from the experience <laughs> i was just having such a good time that i didn't even notice until <laughs> i hopped off and i was like ow <laughs> But that awesome. is incredible. Uh, Nick Rogers and that whole crew are just really awesome.
1: Yeah, I got to meet a few of the actual Christina crew. They were, they were super cool. Well,
0: shout out to those guys.
1: Um, well, we've got to take
0: a little bit of a break, but we will get back and we'll talk a little bit more about music, dig up some more Burning Man stories, so don't turn off the podcast.
2: Bacon. The Fresh Bacon Podcast is brought to you in part by Natasha's World Jewelry.
3: Natasha has traveled the globe in pursuit of the world's most beautiful jewelry. From the exotic rainforests of Thailand and Bali to the ancient architectures of Spain and Ireland, her journeys have led her to the discovery of artists from across the globe who specialize in handcrafted necklaces, bracelets, rings, pendants, and other unique body adornments. Some of the designers you will find at Natasha's World Jewelry include Uno de Secuenta. Also known as Uno de 50, these handcrafted designs are the hottest wearable art styles from Madrid, Spain. Firefly. Created in Guatemala, these intricate handmade mosaic jewelry pieces are created using South American design techniques that have been passed down for generations. Janice Carson, handcrafted silver with stunning gemstones forged in the Indonesian island of Bali. Ayala Bar, inspiring designs from the heart of Israel. And many more. Natasha's World Jewelry is located inside the Meadowood Mall and online 24-7 at natashasworldjewelry.com. Shop online anytime at At www.natashasworldjewelry.com
0: And we are back here on the Fresh Bacon Podcast. I am sitting here with Mr. Left Right himself. uh, Fresh off the playa, trying to recover. We are here at the Great Depressurization at El Dorado Circus Circus Silver Legacy in downtown Reno. Um, Have you gotten to go to any parties yet?
1: I have, yeah. Uh, I got around a little bit last night. Um, so I think one of the rooms I'm real bad with remembering the names but uh, one of the rooms had a bunch of people from Still Dream Festival
0: I believe that was Aura Nightclub last night had the oh, Still nice. Dream takeover with Gamma yeah. and all those guys
1: so I, got to, I played Still Dream I think it was only a month or so ago uh, and it was pretty cool and uh, the guys they had at Aura uh, at, here in Reno were awesome uh, and unfortunately I didn't get to catch all the names but there was a beatboxer there that was that gamma
0: i don't think that was gamma okay. no
1: uh let's see who do we have last night we had
0: dirty dirk christopher zapper and dat girl uh jflo mr gamma himself uh outer sect and moon juice was closing out the evening but i think uh, some other people might have hopped in and the middle of everything
1: nice. it's
0: pretty funny everyone's still in burning man mode so yeah. it's
1: playa time t- yeah apply time <laughs> is
0: in full effect um yeah. i dj'd at the uh bounce pool last night or yesterday and uh everything was like an hour and a half behind and i was just like oh that's cool yeah. uh posted up in a cabana and got got back on the the wavelength of everybody else. Yeah, man. seems like it's a little bit windy today, but um, seems like that's clearing up, so the pool party's supposed to keep going. I think that's where you just were also, oh, right? Yeah, I
1: was totally hanging out down there.
0: Uh, is this your first year coming to the depressurization with us?
1: No, no. I've totally come by uh, in the past. Uh, yeah, it's always been fun, man. It's good stuff.
0: Yeah, it's one of my favorite parties of the year, definitely.
1: Yeah. Got a lot of people coming in from all over. The Burner community is pretty cool because – You got all of us crazies coming in from all parts of the world.
0: In a very interesting state of mind, to top it all (laughs) off. Yeah. I always try to catch everybody before they hit the the front desk, because everybody's so fried, and get a good, nice smile in, and kind of ease them over, because everybody was really cranky last night. I heard there was uh, quite a bit of delays on the way out, so... So where are you heading back or where are you heading after this? Are you headed to shows or heading home?
1: Uh, it's pretty quick. I've got a couple days. So I'm from Dallas um, and I'm leaving tomorrow after the show uh, here in Reno. And then I go to Dallas and then immediately I've got um, a show called Broke, Broken Beat Summit in Oklahoma. And that's with uh, Martin Horger, Lady Wax, I.C., uh, and I think AK 1200 just joined the bill as well, like kind of last minute. So that should be fun.
0: Wow. That yeah. sounds like a really good time. And then you're hopping around some more shows after that or do you get a break?
1: Yeah, no, I've got a few more in September. Uh, I've got uh, one at Fozzie Fest in Canada, uh, which I hadn't heard of before, but they seem like a, it's like a pretty cool little uh burner oriented festival up what there what part
0: of canada is that in do you know
1: i know you'd ask <laughs> i uh i think it's it starts with a g i think it's like grasnier or something like that it's close to calgary i think okay and i've actually never played in canada before so i'm kind of stoked about that just in general
0: i love canada
1: yeah i've never been
0: have you done shambhala yet no
1: no oh man shambhala. shambhala
0: is probably one of my other favorite festivals of all time nice um to me, comparable to Burning Man, but for different reasons. Right. I've always said, uh, you know, Burning Man for the most part is not a music festival, right. and I am a music person. Right. But I will say this year, the music at Burning Man was better than I've ever heard it before, and I don't know what is the Switched. reason behind that or what they changed. I know there were some camps that were gone, there were some new camps and places. Yep. Um, but it seemed like everywhere I turned, there was actually good music, which was surprising. <laughs>
1: yeah I'm, I'm always really interested in how how the trends move in electronic music um that's always interested me because there's always trends and then they it's very complicated because they spin off you know kind of like water well and, right and, this and then sometimes it, they coalesce into something really big and then it gets played out and then
0: well and other than question mark too, it's like I didn't see a lot of bass music and maybe I just didn't go in that direction. No, you're right. That's a
1: good point. I didn't hear a lot either.
0: It was a lot of really upbeat. A lot like, you know, there was a lot of the variations of techno, which is really fun because there's Mm -hmm. not that many places where you can actually go to a techno show or like a just a straight tech house show or some of these other genres that are not so popular in the mainstream. But the biggest thing that I noticed was that everybody seemed to be on a super upbeat level. Yeah. No, actually,
1: I, I didn't think about it, but I do agree. That's definitely the vibe.
0: So that that made the biggest difference to me, other than question mark, which was just rattling everybody's faces off. <laughs> I got one really good As night in do. at question mark. Uh, I got to go see Diplo do one of the better sets I've ever seen him play. Actually, I've managed to see him a bunch of times. Um, that was really amazing. Got to see Stefan Jacobs for a little bit. Nice. Um, who else was out there? Mimosa. And the, that sub stack was just something else kicking and their gigantic castle looking thing i don't even know yep. what to call that it a
1: tower at the top that was
0: really really fun yep. um did you have any other really fun amazing sets you got to go to while you were out there
1: no a lot of times uh we were just exploring like i'm a deep ply guy late at night and i just like to ride out and then look at the art a lot of it uh yeah we would stumble on some pretty fun fun shows here and there but
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Sometimes just, I didn't even know which camp we were at. Totally. Just living it as it goes.
0: It was the first year for me where like my friends actually had sets picked out that they wanted to go to. Cause I am not like a planner. I uh-huh. don't dig like trying to plan my burning man. It just seems counterproductive. Right. Um, but my friends had a bunch of things that they wanted to go to. So I ended up going out like dancing more than I ever have before. And that was really fun.
1: Nice. But
0: you know, it's kind of just one of those things where you could get there two weeks early and still not see everything and do everything. And
1: yeah, no way.
0: It's a kind of fun experience. What I noticed actually last year was uh, the morning. I became like a super morning Burning Man person last year, and I was taking like sunrise bike rides and I was going to breakfast with people. And I was like, "There's this whole other yeah. side of Burning Man that I've never even yeah. seen before." All just the runners based on and the time. marathon
1: people. Yep. Oh, for sure, man, for so, sure. Yeah, it's crazy how different even just the day versus night stuff is. So you go to the same camp during the day and then you see it at night and then you Yeah, ba- or barely even the recognize it. You know, it. there's
0: like the daytime art and there's the nighttime art. Yep. Um but getting back to talking about music and touring and all that stuff. So you're going to Canada?
1: Yeah, I got Canada and then Florida right after that. And uh Yeah, yeah, I got a few others coming up after that and some releases and
0: that's awesome it's all just uh, it's flowing (laughs) rushing yeah that's amazing
1: grinding it out
0: so talking about music a little bit you've got some new releases coming up Um, what are you working on
1: right now Uh, I'm working on some pretty exciting ones Um, the uh, I've got a couple that I'm shopping around right now and uh, so my home label is Punks uh, with um, Stanton Warriors label and I kind of help are a little bit uh, here and there for them. And then that's kind of my, generally, that's my home label that I release on. Uh, however, I also have my own label uh, called Broken, which is a little harder, a little heavier, like UK bass. We're branching out a little more in a garage and even a little like kind of bass house stuff as well. But as long as it's uh, hitting, then we're into that. Um, those are two of my main ones, but I, I do have a release coming up um, with Insomniac uh, that I just signed, and that's coming up in the beginning of December. Oh, wow. And uh, depending on when this airs, uh, I'll also have co- one coming up in a few days um, on Audiophile XXL, uh, which is another homie crew out of Dallas, but that's a remix of an uh, artist called Proxy, who I loved him for a long time. Uh, always done like pretty heavy stuff on um, Turbo, which is uh, Tiga's label. And uh, yeah, it was really cool to do a remix of him. And that's about to come out here in just a few days.
0: Wow, that's super exciting. Yeah. How long does it usually take you to get a track ready to start sending out for, uh, to sh- start shopping around essentially?
1: It, it takes some time and honestly, uh, depending on the track, the amount of work I put in can range anywhere from like 20 to 40 hours. And I do all my own audio engineering because I'm neurotic <laughs> 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 like that. Um, so often sometimes writing the track can be as little as 10 or 15 hours and then I'll end up tweaking the mix for just forever and then same on the master. Um, But uh, the other part of that process is, yeah, sending it around and seeing who's interested. Uh, Sometimes remixes, for me, tend to go faster just because it's a lot easier for me to make decisions about, you know, well, this is what the original artist did and this is the content that I like and I'm going to rearrange it like this and then add some of my own stuff and that can go really quick and usually it's got a deadline so <laughs> right i gotta get, you gotta get it done, whether i like it or not um but uh or, originals can can definitely take a while so my thing is uh so i went to school for music composition uh that's what my degree's in and uh i really like to write that's like what i like to do so if i'm killing time and I'm by myself. I just sit down at a keyboard and I just like to play stuff. I like to play with electronic sounds and synthesizers and stuff like that. So I sketch a lot. Like I sketch, I can sketch five to 10 tracks a day, like no problem, but getting them to the phase where they're finished and I'm happy with it. And then deciding I want to go through all the audio engineering and like, this is a finished product. That's a little harder. And it, it's pretty common too. a lot. A lot of people are either they like to do a lot of sketching, and then they never finish. And then there are also a lot of people that I met at my um, at my studio uh, that it's it's kind of the opposite. It it takes a long time for one song for them to develop it. And, and sometimes they just listen to it over and over and over for so long that they keep changing it, and then that one song also doesn't get done. Right. <laughs> Uh, So my problem isn't generating the material. It's just finding the time to You know finish the the full production of it and making sure all the little pieces are in the right places essentially
0: So once you get through that phase of getting the track ready to go How long does it usually take with the shopping around
1: process? It can take a really long time Um, I've had tracks come out you know, like remix or something like that. That's usually scheduled in as little as, uh, hopefully, not less than four weeks. Because you, once, uh, once the label signed it, you want to make sure that they're doing advanced promo and or promotions, sending it out to bigger DJs and radio and stuff like that before it comes out. But I've had songs, some of my first stuff I released with Ponks I've been sitting on, for. Two years <laughs> Oh wow And uh, my I had a bigger single uh, last year called Lies uh, And I was working on a music video for that And that was part of the same collection of songs But because I worked for a really long time on the video as well Which I was just doing in my spare time Which I did not have any <laughs> It took me like at least another 8-10 to 10 months It was almost 3 years from the song being essentially done To before it came out Wow. So, yeah, it takes some patience and it's a weird head game, at least for me in that scenario, because some of this stuff, you know, you work on it and then you finish it. And for me, a big part of the process is you put it out and people hear it and you get to hear feedback and people like it or you get reviews and stuff like that. And you're, you're playing it out and that's all very current. But sometimes when it takes that long for a song to come out, you've already written like 10 other songs and you're that completely point. <laughs> over it and yeah. you just
0: never want to hear that yeah. song ever again. You're like, why does this exist?
1: So it, mentally it's kind of a weird thing. I think for a lot of producers that have to wait, some of this stuff that's coming out in December with insomniac is also three years old. Like, wow. Uh, well, one, one of them is at least, uh, two of them are, are much newer. Um, which is c- why I'm kind of excited about that EP. Cause I think it's pretty well-rounded. Um, there's some, like, broken beat stuff and then also kind of a chiller house track as well.
0: Well, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, hopefully, by the time this comes out, we'll be able to throw the links to those tracks on there and everybody can go and get it. Are they going to be for sale or free uh, download?
1: For for sale. Um, it's coming out on Insomniac's uh, imprint called In Rotation.
0: So everybody should be on the lookout for... The new left-right track out on Insomniac's In Rotation label around December.
1: Yeah, early December Bloom EP is what it's called. The
0: Bloom EP. All right, everybody. Pens and pencils. (laughs) Get out the phone. Write it down. Find it. In the meantime, we've got to go on a quick break, but we will be back, and we'll chat some more about music and other fun stuff. So please don't turn off the podcast. Bacon.
2: Fresh Bacon upcoming shows through February 2018. On the 27th is Worthy and Born Dirty at 1UP and on February 2nd is Mark Farina at Haven Underground in Nevada City. February 29th, Win and Woo comes to 1UP and then on February 10th Chris Lake at 1UP. Then we move over on Valentine's Day with Grammatic at Cargo Concert Hall with an After Party at 1UP. On the 20th we have St. Weekend and Jerry Folk and on the 24th of February we have the Return of Wookiee. All tickets are available at www.freshbacon.com Bacon.
0: And we are back I'm uh, sitting here with Mr. Left-Right himself. Um, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you actually went to school for music composition. Did. Where did you go
1: to school? Uh, so it's one of the bigger music schools in Texas. It's called University of North Texas. It's about an hour north of Dallas, uh, which is where I'm from. And, uh, yeah, so I grew up playing the cello <laughs> oh, awesome. and, uh, and when I was, uh, still pretty young, um, my father played the piano. So I, I have a very different relationship with the cello than I do the piano. Uh, the cello was very classical and, you know, I grew up uh, reading music and always playing classical, you know, minuets and Bach and stuff like that. And the piano, to me, was a huge departure from that because I could just sit down and write. Um, And that's always kind of been, you know, the way I, my favorite way to interact with music is to sit down and play the piano.
0: (laughs) That's amazing.
1: Um, And the the funny thing about that is I I don't consider myself like a huge performer. I mean, I, I love to DJ. I love to share music with people. But, my real innate favorite thing to do is just sit down and uh make just sit down and write something new every like few minutes um, so a funny question I like to ask people is if they only had ten minutes before uh they passed away and they'd already told everyone that they loved them, like what would they do and uh mine would definitely be a keyboard. I'd just sit down and play. <laughs>
0: That's, that's an actually amazing exercise.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's not easy, is it? Yeah. (laughs) To think about. (laughs) Yeah. No, playing keyboard is my thing. So I like to, I like to write a lot. Um, I really like, uh, you know, thinking about music in terms of composition and counterpoint too was a big thing for me. I minored in theory and uh, I don't think you have to know theory to write, um, but I, I like I like that aspect of it too.
0: So you went from Dallas to uh,
1: that was uh, yeah I lived in Dallas and then moved up to Denton for school there. Uh, it wasn't really that far away. It's essentially part of the metroplex. Okay. And uh, and yeah, then I've moved all around different parts of Dallas doing a little different things. We got a pretty uh, cool scene there that I enjoy. Um, so
0: have you always been, so I'm assuming you've always been a music person just since day one.
1: Yeah, Uh came from a pretty musical family. And uh, my brother and his wife actually uh, both have been professional violinists in orchestras. Uh, my father taught some music stuff and played piano. And uh, yeah, so it was cool to be immersed in that. They all think I'm the weirdo though, because I'm the one in electronic music. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) So, yeah. In fact, uh, when I first started college, I wasn't going to major in music. I was um, majoring in psychology, and I needed to find an elective like my freshman year. And I found that they had a class about synthesizers, and I was like, oh, I got to do this. And I took it, and I was like super hooked because uh, you know just sound and music in general they're, they're kind of tied hand in hand and this class actually had some like really cool physics stuff that I was into so immediately the next semester this guy is like my favorite teacher too uh, his name was Chris Morgan uh, I started at a small community college and I took that semester with him and he was also teaching composition music composition so I, I took that the next semester and I was like, that's it. I'm switching my major. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the other cool thing about that story is uh, after I finished at North Texas, I came back to this community college and um, finished uh, audio engineering uh, degree with them as well. And then a few years later, I'd just been working with audio for a while and like just finding work wherever I could. And they invited me back to teach. So I was teaching the same classes that I would taken. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Five or six years prior. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So what kind of jobs were you doing as an audio engineer? Uh, Where did you get started?
1: Yeah. uh, So when I first got out of college, uh, as I think is the case with a lot of people, you're getting kicked into the real job market and you don't know what to do. So the first thing I did was I tried uh, working with some bigger studios. And I had a friend. I still have a friend that really... Really awesome uh, studio in Dallas called Dallas Audio Post, but uh, they needed you to intern, uh, you know, forty hours a week. And you know, interning at these bigger studios is is not paid. Yeah. (laughs) And at the time, I couldn't handle that, so I had to turn. I got the internship, but I had to turn it down because I couldn't uh, handle that. And so, really, I just that was when the hustle started, and I just had to find any work that I could get and. Um, i actually make my students do this uh in my audio classes if you want something the very first thing you got to do is tell all your friends and all your family that that's what you're trying to do if you tell those people then eventually some of those little connections will come you know like for audio sometimes your grandma needs something recorded or you know if you're a musician sometimes somebody needs a guitarist and if you play the guitar if all your friends and family don't know that you play guitar, you got to tell them. You got to put, put the reach out there for it. So that's what I did. I grinded uh, really hard. Uh, even was working part-time doing promotions in Dallas um, at the time, just staying involved in the scene, DJing here and there. And uh, eventually it turned into a business. And uh, now I, uh, I've got a studio in Deep Ellum in Dallas. It's a little cool side neighborhood in dallas and yeah i just uh have people come in uh and i just work with maybe three or four clients a week just spend a couple hours with them and help them produce um all different levels i've got people that are just beginning and then um people that are just coming in for engineering strictly their songs already well produced and yeah it's it's fun i get to just do that a little bit and then spend a lot of time working on all my stuff
0: that is yeah pretty awesome
1: <laughs> it took a long time to get there probably about 10 years but now it's it's rolling pretty smoothly
0: do you remember what some of those first little projects were i'm imagining like radio commercials or
1: yeah i did i did little radio uh, beds actually i totally would not have remembered that if you, <laughs> if you hadn't said that uh no just I mean literally anything, uh, I recorded seminars, you know, uh, I would help people write, uh, you know, pop hooks. Did a lot of work uh, with pop people, which was kind of fun because I learned a lot more about commercial music and the structure. Um, and yeah, the structure of uh, more commercial music is uh, pretty interesting. There's a lot of variations and it's pretty fun to work with. Yeah, and so really, I think because I was so varied, it kind of helped me learn more to be versatile, I guess, and uh, incorporate the things that I liked into my own music and meet a lot of people, too, uh, in Dallas, which is cool.
0: Have you ever lived anywhere other than Dallas, or have you just got your heart set? I,
1: I, well, uh, no, I love Dallas. Uh, I, I'm born and raised, and uh, there's a really cool counterculture community there um, because, you know, it's Texas and it's, it's Bible Belt and there's definitely heavy, heavy conservative uh, stuff there. But the cool thing about that is a lot of the city centers in Texas, you know, Austin's uh, known for being a liberal one, but Dallas has got a really cool counterculture uh, spot, community there. Um, I used to uh, throw these events called Future uh, which actually was first inspired by burn events where we really were just trying to bring some more of the tech art installations meeting with electronic music and, uh, and put it in a weird space as well. Uh, so we were throwing these events at like art galleries. Uh, one of my favorite art galleries in Dallas was called that, that, and she just moved the gallerist. Uh, she just moved to LA and she's killing it out there now. Um, but we would throw these events and we would just do a big art, big, crazy, uh, installations and, uh, really cool electronic music. And man, like we only did it for about three years, but already like by the second year it would be jammed packed. Um, and it was really cool to just see Dallas react that way. when they started to see, you know, see things that they hadn't quite seen before in a, in a new space. Um, started to get a little too busy with my artist stuff to keep promoting and writing and running my business it's and hard. running a label. It's like I had to pick and choose my battles. So the promotion side started to fall off, but, uh, I'm still chucking with the other stuff.
0: Definitely. It's always hard to have to choose between a bunch of things you really like. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm really into video too. <laughs> yeah. I feel <laughs> so, that.
0: So, yeah, I wish
1: I was making more videos, but, uh, Man,
0: one of those things as a creative person, it's almost just like the medium is not as important as the act of creating things.
1: Yeah. Creative.
0: To me, it's always just gone together. It's like, of course I would make a video now that I made the song. What do you mean? Like, why am I trying to do 800 things? Of course (laughs) I want to produce the whole thing and edit it. And like, then I'm going to promote it afterwards. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. I actually uh, can identify. I really like the, I like marketing and PR because to me it's, it's its own little strategy about how you present things. It's art. Yeah, it is. I agree.
0: Well, looks like we are just flying along here. Uh, nice. We got to hit another one more commercial break, but when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about music and whatever else we managed to come <laughs> up with, I guess. Nice. Uh, once again, don't turn off the podcast.
2: Bacon. The Fresh Bacon Podcast is brought to you in part by the Chocolate Walrus.
3: Embrace your inner goddess with the Chocolate Walrus. Specializing in ladies' costumes, lingerie, exotic dancewear, festival styles, and more. Bring your cosplay fantasies to life with the hundreds of costume options at the Chocolate Walrus, including superhero, supervillain, circus fantasy, dark side vixen, fairy tale fantasy, cops and robbers, and more. The Chocolate Walrus also has a massive selection of costume wigs, hosiery, corsets, Sexy shoes and plenty of options to spice up the bedroom like massage oils, games for couples, kinky fantasy items, and an extensive variety of ladies' pleasure products. Embrace your inner goddess at The Chocolate Walrus. Shop in Reno at our Midtown Costume Boutique, located on Virginia Street, or at our brand new location in Southtown Reno, located on South Meadows Parkway. We're also adding new items to our online shop every day at TheChocolateWalrus.com. That's www.thechocolatewalrus.com.
0: And we are back here on the Fresh Bacon Podcast. I'm here with Left Right out of Dallas, Texas, who is here visiting us at the Great Depressurization at the Silver Legacy Circus Circus in El Dorado in downtown Reno. Um, We actually were just going through a bunch of new music that you are working on that's supposed to come out, uh, which sounds excellent.
1: Yeah, Um, thanks.
0: You said you wanted to share some music with everybody and give them a preview. So this first track you said is called... Wow! Wow! Yeah! And wow! <laughs> when is this one supposed to be coming out?
1: Uh, so this is one uh, I'm I'm keeping it in the pocket. I'm, I'm not gonna say when. Okay. or <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I'm sure it'll be out probably by the time of this podcast. Uh, it's a little more of like a fun chugger, uh, a little more on like the dirty bird vibe. Um, little silly at times (laughs) it's a bunch of little funny sounds in there and stuff like that which um, is not something I actually normally do but it was kind of fun like I wanted to do something a little uh, you know just more upbeat I guess
0: was there any uh, cool production uh, tricks or fun things you recorded for this track or was it just straight plugged into the computer and go
1: no totally so one of my favorite things to do uh, when writing tracks is to try and record something with a microphone because so much electronic music production these days is just in the box or uh, working you know just with samples and stuff that you find online but uh, it's actually not really hard to you know set up a mic and then just record something interesting and use it so there's a lot of stuff that I write that's got um, weird things I'm banging on our recording and wow uh has got my voice in there uh and actually i think the voice of my uh, my studio uh assistant uh eisenberg <laughs> <laughs> i think one of us says dude and the other one says wow and uh
0: really really deep lyrics in the <laughs> song <laughs>
1: but uh there's also the sound of uh, <laughs> believe it or not a cap coming out of a tequila bottle
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds really exciting so uh we're gonna take a listen to this very first track wow by left right wow. damn, that's a track.
1: <laughs> I, I really, uh, that was, I think that's one of the first tracks that I've ever uh, done, like, a major key in, uh, too. Oh, really? Maybe that's, all minor keys? Yeah, normally I'm kind of dark.
0: <laughs> I think one of my friends, uh, Whitney Meyer, was here for an interview not too long ago and she was saying like left to her own devi- her own devices every song would be emo like every yeah. single one would be like really really sad yeah um but I totally feel you I'm definitely I am really bipolar with music I don't, it's either like Britney Spears happy <laughs> on this side or it is like rip your heart out metal on the other side right I can do the in-between stuff but
1: well I think the other thing that's funny is like um I think genu- genuinely, I'm a relatively happy, <laughs> adjusted person, but for some reason, I really I'm just into like dark stuff.
3: <laughs>
1: so I don't really understand why, but that's <laughs> it's a mystery that may never be solved. <laughs> it was good to make this one a little like more silly and just fun, though.
0: Definitely. Did you get a chance to play it out at Burning Man this year? Uh,
1: I did. I did. I think I played it at a uh, at Space Yacht. And the, the crowd on likes on it so customer. far. Yeah, yeah, it's done pretty well. It's got a nice like way that it develops that I think people can dance to.
0: Definitely, I really dig it. Uh, so if people want to go pick up that track, they can probably do it on your website.
1: Yeah, if you just watch uh, uh, either my social media, all my social media stuff is generally uh, slash left right music. So SoundCloud, Facebook, all that stuff, um, twi- so, Twitter.
0: What's your website
1: address? Uh, leftrightmusic.com dot All
0: right, everybody, you heard that? www dot left l e f t right r i g h t music m u s i c dot If you can't spell, hopefully you can spell by now. But <laughs> that seems to be a, a common question: is how do I spell that? So I think that just about wraps up our conversation for today. I think that everybody hopefully will be. Once they do finally turn off the podcast and go get these tracks and the rest of your tracks, uh, everything should be on SoundCloud too, I'm guessing. Are yep. you on the, uh, Spotify and all those other places as well?
1: Yep. Totally. Yeah. And SoundCloud's a, a very good place to go cause it's got links to all the other stuff as well. So.
0: Great. Well, it's been, Awesome to chat with you. I'm really excited to go see you play a little bit later tonight. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for coming to hang out with us on the podcast. I can't wait to have you back
1: again. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. This was great. Is there any parting words you'd like to give to the world before you depart the studio? Yeah. uh, It's one of my main mottos. It's art harder.
0: Art harder. Well, you heard it here first, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Fresh Bacon Podcast. My name is Richard Xavier, and I will see you next time. Bacon.